you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 81 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, where I do live tweeting for every game, or on Facebook and Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. What a ridiculousness type game see what i did there like i did the yeah 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 from rod deirdrex mtv show anyways uh absolutely ridiculous game by the boston celtics last night they win 128 to 101 they are now up two games two zero big fat goose egg for the 76ers in the series so far round one of the nba playoffs has been crazy so far i mean the trailblazers beat the lakers the mavs and clippers are tied what else the bucks lost to the magic i mean the Celtics are destroying the 76. It's fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So where do we begin? Like, do we talk about the good, the bad, the terrible play by the 76ers? Do we start with game three preview? Let's just start out with some fire stats. Like, just some stats that make you go, like, just fantastic stuff. When Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum drop 20 points or more each, the Boston Celtics are 18-1. and one. Isn't that bananas? So Fire and Ice really need to play well the rest of the way. They need to each drop 20 points apiece from here on out, and the Celtics will do very well. I mean, last night, Jason dropped 33. Incredible performance. We'll get into that. And then Jalen dropped 20. So 53 points combined. The entire team dropped 128 without Gordon Hayward. Fantastic. I don't, like, I hate to say this, but I don't know if the Celtics can play that good again. But if they can play close to that, they're going to be really hard to beat the rest of the way. They, they really and truly are. Some other fire stats. The Boston Celtics are 20-0 when the entire team shoots 50% from the field. Or better. 50% or better. Last night, they shot 51.2% from the field. So, good shots. Make your layups. Remember how they didn't make their layups in game one? You make your layups in game two. Good things happen for this basketball team. Make your shots, take good shots, and everything will work out. If you think about it, like Marcus Smart shot three for eleven last night, but everyone else, everyone else shot fine. I mean, well, Daniel Tice shot one of five. Daniel Tice was Daniel Tice annoyed me last night, but I also understand why he annoyed me because he just really gets the shit end of the stick when it comes to calls with the refs. I mean, there were some times where he was just being physical, it's the playoffs, and he just gets called in such ticky-tack stuff, and I actually think it drives him crazy. I literally think it's in his head. Every single time he touches someone, I think he's going to, he thinks, and I think, that he's going to get called for a foul, and I don't blame him, but he has to get over that hump, 
because him only playing the, you know, I think he played less than 20 minutes last night. Like, that's not great. Let me double check. I think he, yeah, Daniel Tice played 12 and a half minutes last night. Like, that's not great from your starting center. <laughs> like, that's not great. But I understand why. He was an absolute mental case all night. So that it is what it is. All right. And one more quick. Sorry, I kind of dove off the deep end a little bit there. But one more quick and fire hot stat for you. Jason Tatum became the youngest player in NBA playoff history to hit eight three-pointers in the game. And he also becomes the third Celtics player ever to do it. And can you name the other two Celtics players? Paul Pierce. And if you still hate him, grow up, Ray Allen. That's right. So Jason Tatum is now in the same sentence shooting the basketball as two of the best three-point shooters of all time. Now, the only reason why I say that about Paul Pierce was is because the amount of makes, but Ray Allen is obviously on a different planet than Paul Pierce when it comes to three-point shooting. Let's be honest. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that kind of did not work for me, which was basically the first quarter. These kind of slow starts are starting to kind of bother me. Sure, it's only been two games, but I really didn't think the 76ers could come out and shoot 9 of 10 from the field again. But this time, they decided to one-up me, and they shot 10 of 12 from the field. And that was annoying. They were down 14 very early. The Celtics' defense looked like it didn't want to be there. It was very lazy. It wasn't as aggressive as it was in Game 1. It was so noticeable that like it almost like looked like they were just jogging. Just like, yeah, we got this. Don't worry about it. And it was kind of annoying. Jason Tatum got three, uh, two quick fouls in the first three minutes of the game. So that didn't really help the situation because now he had to lag off. But the thing that I did like about that was how much Brad Stevens trusted Jason to make good defensive plays and actually kept him in the game because I think that 14-point lead would have been a lot worse if Tatum wasn't in there. So that was good. You could say that the Celtics' shots weren't falling, which is, you know, you're, you're not wrong, but... The 10 out of, what was it, 10 out of the first 15 shots that the Celtics took were three-pointers? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You can't do that. Not to start off a playoff game. Because that just that just screams that you're just, like, lazy. That you're just jacking up shots and hope they go in. And, and that's not ideal. And I didn't really like that. But in some beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy way, maybe these slow starts do work. Because in, Joel Embiid dropped a quick 11 points. And I swear he got tired early. Because he just... I feel like he gets so excited. Joel Embiid loves to play basketball. You can see that. You can see the energy that he has when things are going well. And then you can see, like, for example, when he came off the be- oh, when he went to the bench in the fourth quarter and put his hands in his or uh, his face in his hands, you were just like, <laughs> it was hard not to laugh. It, it it really was because he's such a good talent, but he just doesn't have a motor for a full forty eight minutes of a basketball game, and it's a shame. Because he, like, if we had Joel Embiid on this team, okay, we would love Joel Embiid. But because he's on a, a rival, you don't like him. And we would destroy him for not having that motor. We really would. But at the end of the day, he knows he doesn't, and he cares. He Joel Embiid cares. It's just 7'2", 280, it's tough to have a motor. It really is. But him dropping a quick 11 points really, I feel like, just hurts him in some way. I didn't like the fact that Josh Richardson came out and shot the ball well. That scared me because I was like, oh, my God, he's going to go off again. I mean, Shake Milton also shot 5 of 8 from the floor. I was a little disappointed that Brad Stevens didn't make any adjustments from Game 1 to Game 2 with Shake Milton and Josh Richardson and the way that they were shooting the ball. Shake Milton had a couple wide-open shots, but maybe Brad Stevens is thinking, you know what, if we lose because Josh Richardson and Shake Milton, you know, shoot the ball well, he'll live 
he'll live with that, and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, to see Josh Richardson make a couple threes to start, I mean, Josh Richardson and Joel Embiid were the main reasons why the Celtics were down 14 early in that first, first quarter. So that was a little disappointing to see. But Brad Stevens took a risk in the second quarter, and the risks paid off. They really did. As we all know, Gordon Hayward is out for four weeks. Of course, that news dropped, what, maybe three hours after I dropped the podcast? Of course, right? But Gordon Hayward is out 46 weeks with a grade three ankle sprain and probably five weeks with the birth of his kids. I mean, Danny Ainge was on the Toucher and Rich radio show the other day, uh, actually yesterday, stated that they did jokingly or seriously, I th- the way I took it, it was seriously, if Robin Hayward would take one for the team and have her child induced, which would speed up the process of Gordon coming back. Mike Conley had to leave for the birth of his child. He came back. It looks like he can quarantine and come back quicker than we may have all originally thought. It looks like he may be back for Game 3 for the Jazz and uh, Nuggets series, so that would be big for the Jazz. So overall, Gordon Hayward could be gone for five weeks, which would probably bring him back around Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals if the Celtics get there. So you are not going to have Gordon Hayward for for the rest of the 76er series unless there's a miracle happen. That can happen. You won't have him for the Raptors series. The the positive. I know it's going to sound weird, but the positive about them saying four weeks. I always feel like the Celtics kind of go over the top with some things. I feel like all their guys come back from injury a little bit sooner, minus Kemba. The Kemba situation was weird, but overall, I always feel like they just give us the worst case scenario. And maybe Gordon can be back in two weeks. I mean, a grade three ankle sprain is really bad. I feel like that's almost like a broken broken ankle. So they said we're going to see how the swelling goes over the next three or four days, see how he reacts in the pool, and who knows? Maybe he stays down in the bubble. Maybe he leaves the bubble to rehab. I feel like their best guys are down in the bubble for rehab purposes, their best trainers. So that would be very interesting. But back to my original point because we're going to have to – I don't want to say forget about Gordon Hayward because I'm I'm going to be honest with you folks. Gordon Hayward has a player option. I don't think Robin, his wife, likes living up here that much. I think Robin's great. I love how honest she is on Instagram. I love how great of a mother she is with her kids. You know, the kids love their dad. And I think Robin loves the fact that their kids love their dad, even though he's been gone for a while. But I don't think Robin likes being up here. I know I'm sure that they would like to live maybe down in Florida, maybe go back to Indiana. So... Gordon Hayward has a really big player option coming up this offseason, which will be in October. Does he take it? How does that affect Jason Tatum going forward? Do they try and do the Al Horford thing where they see if Gordon can take less money but still stay up here for three or four years, maybe give him $20 million a year versus 30 plus? So it'll be very interesting. But with that being said, we, we might have seen Gordon Hayward's last game in a Celtics jersey, which is crazy to think about. But the guy just has such bad luck, and I just feel so bad for him and his family. And because he worked his ass off to get back. He really did. And I, and I just feel bad for him. But sorry, I dove off another deep end then or another deep end there. So Brad Stevens took some risks last night and they paid off. Brad, Brad Stevens came out with a lineup of Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, Jason Tatum, and Brad Wanamaker. Now, I didn't do a lot of research on this, but I'm going to go out on a limb that 
say that these guys have probably played less than five minutes, if not zero minutes together on an NBA court during a game. Maybe during practice, but I don't think I've ever seen this lineup during a game. They cut their lead down, which was nice. But what was absolutely crazy is Brad Stevens said, you know what, Jason Tatum? I'm going to put you out on the floor with Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, Romeo Langford, and Brad Wanamaker. Good luck. And good golly, Miss Molly, did Jason Tatum go absolutely ballistic. The Celtics went on a 13-1, to 15-1 to 1 run, cut the lead down. They also started the second quarter on a 22-5 to 5 run, or maybe it was 24-5, to 5, but I think it was 22-5 to 5 run. Absolutely crazy. They cut the lead down, and then I think they ended up being, what, up six, eight points at halftime? I, I forget how many points. I felt like the game happened six years ago because of, I couldn't believe the ass-whooping that they that they gave them, but it was absolutely crazy. What I really liked about what the Celtics did in the second quarter and in the third quarter was they took advantage of the way the 76ers big men dropped because the way the 76ers big men dropped after pick and rolls, they dropped it like it was hot. They really did. Kemba and Tatum or whoever noticed that at the top of the key, if you can get a good screen from Grant or Tice or Cantor, whatever the case may be, Embiid, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, you name it, they would literally drop below the foul line instead of trying to contest jumpers. And Tatum would get open threes. Kemba would get open shots at the free throw. I thought Kemba played great last night. Like, that's the Kemba that we need. He attacked the basket. He made shots. You know, at first, you know, they weren't falling, but eventually they did, and that's what a great scorer is. He doesn't give up. He keeps shooting, shoot or shoot. So I loved how they did that. But, like, when if I was a 76ers fan, and I was doing a podcast. I would literally grab my microphone like, like I am right now because I literally just shut it off for those two seconds. I would literally say, what the fuck are you doing, Brett Brown? Like, what are you doing? Why do you keep playing this defense? Kemba is cooking you. Jason Tatum is cooking you. You have to change the coverage. But I don't think Joel Embiid has the motor to change the coverage. I don't, like, I think Al Horford could do it. But, like, Al Horford didn't play that great last night. I don't understand why Al Horford doesn't play more for this team. I understand him and Embiid being out there together is an issue. But the second Embiid isn't on the floor, Al Horford has to be out there. Al Horford can play well. He still has it. Not as much as he did, but he still has it. It's crazy to me how bad the 76ers defense was. Oh, my God. Like, it, like I almost felt, like I literally felt bad for them with how bad their defensive rotations are and how they play defense. It was absolutely brutal. And their defense was so bad, they only forced the Celtics to have two turnovers in the first half. The Celtics only had three turnovers in the first 42 minutes of that basketball game. So do you give credit to the Celtics for taking care of the basketball? Absolutely. Or do you give credit to the 76ers for playing terrible defense? Absolutely. It, it can be both, and it was great. And the way this, the Celtics came out in the second half, I was a little nervous because I was like, okay, you think about game one, 76ers went on a run with probably about, what, five minutes to go in the, the third quarter. The run's going to come. you got to be ready for it. And then the 76ers started missing bunnies. And what the Celtics did after they missed the bunnies is what really made me happy. They would get the ball, and they would push. They would run, 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 and run. The Celtics ran. They out-hustled the 76ers. The 76ers just looked so defeated. And I honestly think it gave the Celtics so much energy. Every single time they got the rebound, like Brad Stevens would just be like, run! And we're, I, I, don't, I don't know. But they ran and ran. Like A perfect example was 
Kemba got stuffed by Embiid and like literally got sent to the floor. Like it was a clean foul. I mean, a clean block. And Kemba just ran back as fast as he could. He stole the ball from Embiid. Tatum got it and just flung it down the court because Jason Jalen Brown was running. Jalen Brown had that nice 360 dunk. And the best part about that is if you watch any of the videos, Brad Stevens did not care about Jalen Brown's dunk. Brad Stevens fist up, pumping, congratulating Kemba Walker for hustling, running the floor. Jason Tatum's pass. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Another thing that was fantastic was Marcus Smart's weak side block on Joel Embiid. That play by Marcus Smart is why so many Celtics fans think that Marcus Smart is disrespected. I don't think Marcus Smart you know, will ever be in the defensive player of the year conversation with the media and the players and all. Well, maybe the players, but the people who vote for the defensive player of the year, I don't ever think Marcus Smart will be in that conversation. It's a shame, but they're always going to look at centers or wings. I get it. But that weak side block that he had on Joel Embiid is why we love Marcus Smart. He, you know, ball you man, he literally kept an eye on Embiid the whole time. And the second he knew he was going up for a shot, he booked his ass over there, jumped as high as he could and swatted that ball. And guess what the Celtics did afterwards? They ran and ran and ran. The other great thing that the Celtics did, I thought, in this game was they brought out their 2-1-2 zone. You know, two people at the top of the three-point line, their center kind of floating in between the foul line and the paint because you don't want to get defensive three seconds and then two guys out in the wing. And that really gave the 76ers a hard time. I thought Tobias Harris was going to destroy that type of situation because at first the 76ers tried that on the Celtics and Grant Williams played it out perfectly. He would set a screen for Jason Tatum at one of the guys who was playing at the top of the three-point line. Jason Tatum would go around for the screen, pop up, stick a three. It was beautiful. So I thought they were going to run that type of play for Tobias Harris or Josh Richardson, whatever the case may be, but Tobias Harris couldn't hit the ocean. He literally couldn't, and he was in Florida, and he couldn't hit the ocean. It was it was unbelievable. In the last two games, Tobias Harris has shot a combined 10 of 30. He was 4 of 15 in game two, 6 of 15 in game one. That is terrible from your number two guy. Now, he's usually the number three guy of Simmons playing, which is why in episode 79 I said... One of the most important people for the Philadelphia 76ers is going to be Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris failed them last night. He was really, really bad. By the end of the third quarter, the Celtics outscored the 76ers 71-42 to between quarters 2 and 3. That's an ass-whooping. An absolute ass-whooping. Um, a couple other notes that I had uh, down here. Uh, let's see. Um, I loved Brad Wanamaker in this game. I've loved Brad Wanamaker in this series. I have loved Brad Wanamaker all season long. I told you in the playoffs he would be something solid, not great, but something solid. Everyone wanted Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters would get roasted in this series because of how physical it is. Maybe he can come in for the Raptors series, keyword maybe, but 23, point, uh, 23 minutes, three blocks, four assists, I think he had seven or eight points and was a plus 28 when the Celtics won by 27. Whew, that's what I'm talking. I mean, Jalen Brown was only a plus 10. I know you shouldn't live or die by the plus minus, but to have your bench player give you three blocks, four assists, 23 minutes, and be a plus 28, absolutely fantastic stuff. And good defensively, attack the basket, absolutely great. Two other people that were absolutely terrific, just superb. Grant Williams and Ennis Cantor. Oh, man. Cantor banter is going to be lit on Monday. I texted my buddy, Big T. There was a play in the game where Ennis Cantor got down on the block and did a little shimmy, and it shook Joel Embiid, but he missed the layup, 
if Ennis Cantor hit, hit that layup, the episode on Monday after Game 4 would be 45 minutes of straight Cantor banter because that oh, that got me in the mood. Let me tell you, that was some great basketball by Ennis Cantor and Grant Williams last night. I mean, Grant Williams, Ennis Cantor, and Romeo Langford shot a combined 4-4 four, four from 3. What world do we live in? Grant Williams, I think, made maybe three three-pointers all year. He made two last night. Ennis Cantor made a three. Huh? Romeo Langford made a three. Huh? Like that, absolutely crazy. Romeo Langford, again, his defense, golf clap, because he's a good defender. But we don't need that. Anyways, the way Grant Williams and Ennis Cantor were physical, they gave so many issues for the 76ers in the paint, on the boards. They, the 76ers had to work for every rebound when Ennis Cantor and Grant Williams were in there. There was no easy rebound given. Mm-mm. Grant Williams sets great screens. Grant Williams is a brick wall. Grant Williams sent some great, solid screens. Like I just said, when the 76ers did their 2-1-2 zone or their 2-3 zone, whatever the case may be, there's a couple ways you beat a 2-3 zone or a 2-1-2 zone. Quick ball movement, you swing it, you just keep the ball moving, and good screens at the top of the key. And Grant Williams did that for Jason Tatum a few times, and that's what got him uh, his eight three-pointers. And just Grant Williams only played 20 minutes. But I felt like he played so well, he was out there for 40 minutes, and you, and you just love to see it. So, game two. It's over and done with. How can the Celtics go up 3-0 in this series? What can they do? Well, the good part is they don't have to travel to Philadelphia and deal with the Philadelphia 76ers fans because those fans are absolutely wild. Philadelphia will have the virtual fans, so I guess that's a good thing, I guess, maybe? I don't know. Either way, I hate to say this. I don't want to curse it. But I just want the Celtics to be ready if Jason Tatum doesn't go off again. Jason Tatum dropping 30 straight points, or 30 points in two straight games in the playoffs is absolutely fantastic. We, at some point, excuse me, are going to have to be prepared for an off night where Tatum only scores 20, maybe 22. So where are those extra 10 points coming from? Are they going to come from Jalen? Are they going to come from Kemba? Are they going to come from Marcus Smart? Last night in Game 2, there was a lot of iso ball from the Celtics. If you guys remember in Episode 78, I talked about how much the Celtics' ball movement improved from their first couple games in the bubble to basically their last five or six games in the bubble. They were averaging about 29 assists per game in the bubble. Now, last night in this game, they only averaged 20. Marcus Smart only having two assists, not great. Marcus Smart, his shooting performance... 3 of 11, not great. I know he does so much in so many different ways, but I need him to give us like 17 points in one game. I know I talked about a couple weeks ago, Marcus Smart being your leading scorer is never a good thing. I'm not asking Marcus Smart to be our leading scorer. I am asking Marcus Smart to give us a 17-point, 6-assist, 2-steal game. That's what I'm asking for. Whether that's game 3, game 4, game 5, maybe game 1 of round 2, if the Celtics get there whatever the case may be. I need Marcus Smart to step up his scoring, be a facilitator, and really fill in for Gordon Hayward. I thought overall the the team did a great job filling in roles, but you can't trust Grant Williams yet completely. You, you, you can try, but you can't tell me after seeing Grant Williams in the first two games, you're saying, I'm confident he can do that every night. You can't. You can trust Marcus Smart, I think. 
So he hasn't shot that great in the bubble. That's okay. It can change. And Marcus Smart needs to do that. I like thinking about relying on Marcus Smart. The reason why I just paused there made me uncomfortable, especially offensively. Like defensively, I'd take a bullet from Marcus Smart. I mean, how can you not? He's the heart and soul of the team. But I just need him to shoot the ball better and pass the ball better. That'll be great. The other thing that the Celtics have to do is win the rebound battle again. The Celtics won the rebound battle last night against Philadelphia 76ers. I've been preaching for the last two episodes, ever since we knew it was going to be against Philadelphia 76ers, that they have to be close in the rebound battle. I never asked them to win the rebound battle because I know how good of a rebounding team the 76ers are. But they won. They also won on the offensive boards too. Second chance, second chance points against a team that is down 2-0 will absolutely crush them. Absolutely crush them. So keep crashing the offensive board. Keep getting second chance points. And that's how you extend a lead. The other thing that the Celtics need to do after they get those rebounds, run. They, they did a great job of it in game two. Run, run, run. Fast break points, 17 for the Celtics. One. One for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Philadelphia 76ers got one fast break point. You're like, how do you get one fast break? Because of a foul. And technically, the foul then counts. But one fast break point for the Philadelphia 76ers. 17 for the Boston Celtics. Folks, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I need. That's how you beat a team to the ground. That is absolutely how you destroy them. So get the rebound and run, run, run. The bench guys, they have to be ready again. They're going to be called, especially guys like the Time Lord. Time Lord didn't play until garbage time, and that's fine. But he might have to play more this time, so he just has to be ready because he is going to be needed in round two against the the Raptors if the Celtics get there. And I know I keep saying if because I don't want to jinx it, okay? I feel confident, but I... I just feel like it's the right thing to do. And then finally, take care of the basketball again. Like I mentioned earlier, three turnovers in the first 42 minutes of the game. I think the Celtics ended up with six turnovers overall, but that the other three were in garbage time, so you, know, you can't really say anything about that. But three turnovers in the first 40 to 42 minutes of the game, that's how you, that's how you win playoff games. And that was great to see. So that is it for episode 81 of the Banner Bench Podcast. Episode 82 will be on Saturday morning after Game 3. Game 3 will be Friday night, tomorrow night if you're listening, or tonight if you're listening, uh, at 6.30 p.m. I believe the game is on ESPN, but it is also on NBC Sports Boston as well. Don't forget that. Um, I think the game will not be on WROR. I believe it will be on the Sports Hub since the Bruins are moving on to Round 2. So congratulations to the Boston Bruins. And that's that. So that's it for... Episode 81 of the Banner Bench Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. I try to keep it under 30 minutes for these recaps, and it looks like I'm going to be able to do that for you. So thanks so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can also email me at BannerBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week. Have a great day. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Black lives matter. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.